You're listening to Willamette Wake Up, and I'm Melanie Zermer. Monmouth and Independence are two cities in Polk County that consider themselves one community. So we decided to talk with both the mayors about their city's budgets to gauge the trend we've become aware of, reduced revenue for city's operations. We've covered the story of Salem and its almost $15 million projected budget shortfall and learned that a large part of the deficit has been a long time in the making. The deteriorating revenue picture began when Oregonians voted to reduce reliance on property taxes to fund local government. That measure, Measure 5 and its companion Measure 50, was established in the mid-1990s. Then federal funds that flooded local governments during the height of the pandemic have now dried up. And the fact that state government and nonprofit organizations do not pay property taxes have created a perfect storm for where we sit today. With that background, I'd like to introduce Mayor Cease Coons from Monmouth, Susie Martson, the finance director for Monmouth, and also with us is Mayor John McArdle of Independence and Rob Moody, the finance director for Independence. So thank you all for being here this morning. Thank you, Melanie. Thank you. You You know, I think our listeners are pretty familiar with Mayor Kuntz and Mayor McArdle, but they may not be quite as familiar with the people behind the scenes. So I'd like to hear just a little bit of background from first Susie Martson and then uh, Rob Moody, just to let our listeners understand um, how much you understand about these issues. So Susie? Thank you, Melanie. My name is Susie Marston. I was hired uh, by the city of Monmouth as their finance director in June. Um, Prior to that, I was a city manager for nine years in a small community in the North Willamette Valley, uh, Jervis. And I started out as the city recorder there where I took care of all the daily finance operations. So with that, I uh, came to Monmouth with 20 years of local government finance experience so, well, I, I never claim to be an expert, but um, I know enough to hold a decent conversation. Great. Yeah, definitely. Sounds good to me. How about you, Rob? What's your background? Oh, thanks, Melanie. My background has been an entire career in governmental finance. Um, I grew up here in Independence, left in the mid-70s, and uh, have been the finance director for cities in Oregon and then had a career in public accounting, leading an audit firm uh, in the Portland area that did governmental audits, and then a, a subsequent consulting career, and then uh, which led to a, a contract gig here with the City of Independence as their CFO, and about a week ago became their uh, finance director as an employee of the city. So, Right. So both of you have a, a lot of experience on the subject that we're talking about. And um, the mayors, I'm sure, rely pretty heavily on you. But again, just a brief introduction. Uh, mayor, uh, you're Cease Kuntz. You're the mayor of Monmouth. Just a little bit of background about your uh, stint as a mayor. Well, I've uh, been serving um, humbly as the mayor for five years, so uh, just finished or going into my sixth year, and um, before that, four years on city council. But I actually uh, come to this conversation with some other governmental finance experience. For 12 years, I've served as a director of finance and operations for the Central School District. So I also uh, rely on the same sorts of revenues, public revenues and um, dealing with the intricacies of that and helping people really understand 
how their government finance works, how their taxes and how their rates um, that they pay are put to use to provide these services. Um, in addition to that, I'm actually on the Finance and Administration Committee of the Board of Trustees of Western Oregon University. So I'm, I am uh, here to, to add some of that kind of color and comment, but really to, to focus on what people expect from us and our city services and start the education about how those are funded and really underfunded. All right. Well, thank you for that. John McArdle, you're the mayor of Independence. Yes, I've had the honor of being the mayor uh, since the late 90s, and uh, uh, it's it's been a wonderful uh, activity uh, to see our community grow. You know, I'm a volunteer like all the mayor, almost all the mayors in Oregon. There are only two paid mayors in Oregon. The rest of us are all volunteer, and uh, I'm uh, uh, I'm really proud to have been able to uh, help move our city forward. I'm a past president of the Oregon Mayors Association and also a past president of the League of Oregon Cities. And so uh, cities have become something that's very important to me. Uh, I finished 30 years in higher education and fundraising and development, building buildings, doing endowments, helping raise scholarships and, and do a variety of those kind of things. So uh, that's part of who I am. And I'm really excited that we're able to have a conversation about this today because this is an issue that has uh, been around for a while. And I'm glad that it's getting the uh, attention statewide that, uh, that it deserves because there's some systemic challenges that not just our uh, two cities are facing, but cities across all of our state. Yeah, well, with that in mind, I'm assuming that both um, Monmouth and Independence are looking into the future with potential deficits. And I'd like you to just talk about um, each of the cities and, and what kind of deficits you're facing. Well, uh, Monmouth, actually, we have been very fortunate. We have been able to be conservative in our budgeting and our expenditures over the years. Um, we have some reserves but we also have, for some time, been doing a five-year projection, right? So every year we look at what's the next five years bring. And our rosy picture is dimming. Um, as with every city, and we're going to hear more, that will bring difficult choices. Revenue is just not keeping up. And certainly in this time of hyperinflation that we have experienced the last couple of years, that's really accelerated um, our concern about our ongoing expenses. And, and can you talk about the numbers? What are we looking at going into fiscal year 24-25? So going into uh, fiscal year 24-25, we're having our budget kickoff meeting this evening, and that serves as a kind of an orientation to the budget committee um, on the process of the budget gives the financial outlook going to 24-25 and also talk about the current financial picture of the city of Monmouth. We will be going in uh, to 24-25 uh, with a positive fund balance. I think we're estimating $1.4 is what I have. At this point, yeah. you're not looking at a deficit right. going forward. Okay. Right. Yes. Into this year. To this year. <laughs> coming yeah. year. Yeah. yeah. So, so we're looking good going into 24-25 um, with a vision as we work through the budget process of, you know, creating a balanced budget where we want our expenditures to uh, be in line with the revenues we bring in um, without having to tap into our reserves so much, um, which will help the financial forecast moving forward. 
So that looks um, on the positive side. Now, how about Independence looking at 24-25? So the City of Independence also going into 24-25 has a positive fund balance in our general fund. Uh, we also do a five-year projection. Uh, we're very early in that projection, obviously, because those numbers are based on the work that we do through the budget process that's just beginning for independence as well. But based on our rough estimates at this point, we're looking at a projected deficit in the 26-27 fiscal year. And so we're looking at options and opportunities and plans that we can address now to try and uh, mitigate what we're seeing, you know, two, three years into the future. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I started off the conversation with uh, Measure 5 and Measure 50. That seems to be behind all of the issues that cities are facing. And although you're going in with a positive balance this fiscal year, what I'm also hearing you saying is that's not the way it's going to be in the future. Mayor McArdle? Well, you're absolutely right. All cities, all governments are required to have a balanced budget, and we do. And last year we made some cuts because we saw that going forward, uh, it was going to be very, very difficult. And as uh, was mentioned, it's going to be hard. We're going to have to make difficult choices. People don't always understand that, you know, the property taxes that people pay, it doesn't even cover the cost of providing police. Property taxes do not cover the cost of police. And all of our costs have gone up. Um, Wages benefits, retirement, health care, all of those kind of costs have gone up. We know in our own homes that inflation has gone up, and we are limited because of measures 5 and 50 for a 3% increase. And we sure know that costs have gone up higher than that. Add pay equity and what it costs to, uh, to attract talent, because there's been a shortage of talent in many, many areas. And so, as you can see, over time, those uh, the costs outstrip our abilities. And so we, just like Monmouth, are looking in the future, it's going to get very, very difficult. And it's because of systemic problems in how uh, funding is provided to, uh, to local governments. Well, right. and I just want to point out that pot of money, we talk about how it doesn't cover even the police, but that's only one part of our general funds, right? And so each of us also have parks we maintain out of our general funds. We have administration and finance folks that have to keep our cities compliant and operating. Um, we have uh, we each have libraries. Monmouth has a senior center and Independence has a museum, right? All of those things are funded out of the pot of money that is pretty much reliant on the property taxes that folks pay. There are other funds. We Everyone knows we provide water, sewer services, streets, right, street maintenance. Those each have dedicated sources of revenue, and that revenue can only be spent on those things. There's also huge capital expenditures in those things, right? We have to keep our sewer infrastructure and our water sources um, and repaving streets. Those are huge expenses. Each of those sort of has dedicated pots of money. We cannot use those pots of money to fund our police, parks, libraries, and administrative finance services. Rob, did you want to add something? Well, similar to what Monmouth's mayor was discussing, we think of it as buckets. 
So each fund is a bucket, and each bucket has a different color of money. You can't take just take money out of the green bucket and put it in the red bucket because the red bucket's always empty. That's mm-hmm. our general fund. To be able to move money between buckets, you know, you just can't do that. So you there's like legal live. restrictions. Right, you right. just can't do Oregon, it by law. Oregon local budget law provides some of that, and just restrictions. Bond funding is restricted by the people who vote for those bonds to be used for only the capital construction that is designated in the bond documents. Right. And if you've just joined us, uh, we're talking with Mayors Kuntz and Mayor McArdle from Monmouth and Independence and their finance directors, Rob Moody and um, Susie Martson. And I heard you both say, or at least I heard you say, Mayor, Mayor McArdle, that the reason, at least in part, we that you're not going, you, you don't immediately have a deficit right now is because you have been cutting back services. What kind of, and, and if you agree with that too, Mayor Kuntz with Monmouth, I'd like to hear about what kinds of services have you been ratcheting back and have people been noticing? Well, in this last year, we cut several of our library people. That was difficult because the library is one of the more popular places. Almost 100,000 people a year go through the library. We also uh, have kept our police. We are funding our police right now at the 2018 level. You know, we would like to have more police officers out there. In other words, the community is growing, but the police force isn't matching Exactly the right. Okay. And there's no such, you know, cops are not cheap. It's $100,000 for a cop. By the time you salary, uh, health, training, all the stuff that goes into that. And so th- those are things that uh, are difficult choices. And people all over the state are having to take a look at what do we want? Mm-hmm. How do we want to get there? And what services do we want to be providing for our community? And our community wants good services. Is that the, is that true with Monmouth? So you've been cutting back? Well, I will say we have not yet. Mm-hmm. Yet. And what do you suppose, What what is it about Monmouth that you've been able to maintain the revenues you need to keep the services going? We have just been extremely conservative in the past. We have, Mama sort of had a history for frugality, and that has served us well. But those those days are coming to an end. And again, we've seen this coming forward. We will be having difficult budget discussions this year. We have an interim city manager, uh, Christy Worcester, who's been with us since November. She'll be with us through the budget process. She is has a lot of experience in this. And she and Susie will be talking to us starting tonight about tough choices. All right. So how have you been communicating with the community about this? For Monmouth, it might be fairly a fairly new phenomena, but independence, you've seen it coming for a while. How have you been making sure that the, that the residents understand that this well, is a we, problem? When we have um, had our budget committee meetings last year, we, we started talking about that with our community. And we've been talking about that with our council. And it, it's, it's a, not a unique conversation. It's happening, again, as I've mentioned before, it's happening around the state. And so we're looking at what the choices are. As Rob said, we're just, you know, we're working our budget. It's still in the infancy of that, um, looking at where the income is, we're looking where the outflow is. But we just know that long term, the costs are going to outpace our ability to pay for them. And those are going to create very, very difficult choices as other cities in the region are facing the same kinds of things. So uh, conversation is beginning. Uh, We'll start our meetings in, I believe it's May, 
trying to remember my budget calendar in my head here. Um, April, May, we'll be uh, starting to have our budget conversations with our budget committee configured just like uh, Mayor Kuntz talked about. The council members make up half the committee, and then uh, the public makes And all those meetings are public, and, and we do broadcast those. And uh, it's all very straightforward. And it's going to be the same conversations throughout the state mm-hmm. on what, what people want. Right, yeah, throughout the state. So uh, we're talking to individual cities who seem to have the uh, similar issues about the the budget and the reliance on the property tax and the restrictions around uh, um, assessing taxes sounds like the key issue. But I've also heard the issue about like states, uh, state buildings don't pay property taxes. How much of that is an, and you've got Western Oregon University, we no do. property taxes. Can you give me a sense of where the problems are, lie and maybe a percentage of like, this is the biggest problem, but this is also a problem? Well, at, you mentioned non-taxed properties and uh, between the fact that our, our largest employer and our largest landowner is Western Oregon University, a public institution. Um, but in addition to that, our largest private employer in Monmouth is actually a nonprofit, uh, Partnerships and Community Living, and they own a variety of properties also to help our wonderful developmentally disabled adults uh, live independently. So our state representative quotes a number that 64% of the land in Monmouth is non-taxable. Um, and we don't have a way to grow much. <laughs> so the current taxpayers in Monmouth bear a larger burden for that. Uh, we're not as bad as Salem. Our uh, friends in Salem, Representative Tom Anderson and Mayor Chris Hoy and, and the Salem City Council, have really started those conversations with the state because all of those state buildings are not taxable. So we have uh, probably a very similar problem there. But also the, the thing about Measure 5 and 50, and if we're ready to get into that, um, <laughs> Measure 5 and 50 was, and Measure 47, there were actually three of them, right, in the 90s that created a completely new way of taxing properties in the state of Oregon. Just, it's super complicated, but really what it did is not only, we I think most people know it limits the assessed value of your property to a 3% increase per year. That means no matter how much our market values go up, our value that the property taxes are assessed on or calculated on do not increase that much. But what it also did is actually take the 1995-96 real market value of the properties and said, that's it. Mm-hmm. That's the value that we're going to use, and we're going to assess 3% per year on that. And that is whether a property is was built in 95-96 or it was built in 1960. Those values are what our property taxes throughout the state go are based on. Property taxes go to cities, counties, fire districts, water districts, all those things you see on your property tax bill. A small amount goes to school districts. What Measure 5, well, 4750 did is also made it so that the state covers the difference between what school districts 
would get and what the property taxes cover. So for school districts, our biggest source of income is actually income taxes because it's state revenue levied through the income tax system that covers school districts. Mm -hmm. So an increase in property taxes reduces the amount of income tax revenue the state has to pay for school districts. But we're not completely reliant. We're much less reliant on property taxes than cities and Mm -hmm. counties. Right. The education districts are... Correct. Yeah. Okay. And did you want to add anything to that, Susie or Rob? I mean, I I think she's right on talking about um, these measures really uh, stilted the ability for local governments to raise funds. Um, And so the state legislature said, yeah, we'll take care of education, but apparently they didn't say we're going to help take care of uh, local governments and special districts and whatnot. Is there anything that you want to add to that piece? Yeah, I think cities didn't get that memo. We didn't you know, <laughs> we didn't get in on the school district funding. I think it's important to remember that property taxes are assessed on a property by property basis. So your neighbor across the street may have a similar home of a similar value, but your property taxes may not be similar. And that's based on this complicated formula that the counties apply when assessing the property taxes. Just circling back to that bigger picture, assessed value can go up at 3% per year plus new construction if there's any. We'll take that 3% and, and it translates roughly maybe to 3 to 4% growth in property tax revenue per year for a city. Take that versus what we saw for inflation last year or the last couple of years that's been 6 to 9% in just buying materials or purchasing services, whether they're legal services or consultants or engineering services, whatever, compounded with construction costs. The cost of construction, I I don't know if anybody's done any building recently, but we're doing an addition on our house and I saw what lumber costs recently. Mm -hmm. If you can even get it delivered to your house. (laughs) Exactly. It's not pretty. And then personal services costs, uh, Mayor McArdle referred to earlier as whether it's driven by a labor contract or just driven by some of the benefit costs. You know, we've talked about PERS rates for the last 20 years, and we've talked about increases in health care costs. All of those things are increasing at far more than 3% per year doesn't take a lot of math to see the delta between those two lines. Sure. So really, what's the solution? It doesn't sound like... And and cities, my understanding is that the city's hands are tied in what they can, in ways they can raise revenue. I mean, I know Salem's looking at a payroll tax operations fee or operational levies where every five years the voters say, yeah, we still want police or we still want the library. Uh, Am I missing something? Are there other ways cities can raise money? And if not, what's the bigger solution? Typical ways a city can look to expand their revenue picture is through uh, voter-approved means, a local operating levy or a special levy of some sort. You see those sometimes with counties for expanded uh, sheriff's services or whatever. Uh, And and I'll just point out, we do have those. Polk County has a public safety levy that has been renewed repeatedly to cover our our public service in the 
County, which covers the cities, and also our local fire district, because neither of our cities has its own fire department. We rely on Polk County Fire District, and they recently re-upped their, their levy as well. So we do have those here. Right. Our cities don't have them, right. <laughs> but our partners do. And then the other option is really some basis in fees, uh, which again is passing those costs along to our citizens. And those are difficult choices to make as well. Um, cities have options through, you know, a local gas tax, for example. Uh, some cities are exploring that. But the other side of that equation, if you can't grow revenues, is, as Mayor McArdle mentioned, to tighten things up internally. Yeah, I think also um, Ashland, I think if any of us have visited there, they have a sales tax, right? We don't have a statewide sales tax, but cities can impose them. So they have a, well, restaurant beverage tax. So that is one thing that they have been able to impose that certainly would not be viable for anybody else. It wouldn't raise enough to cover anything particularly, but uh, Dallas is um, has recently added a public service fee. Um, and since cities bill folks for water and sewer services, typically many of these fees appear on their water and sewer bills, and that's what Dallas is looking at doing. Yeah, I think they just passed something like that at a recent meeting, like yep. $12.50 a month, but they can raise it, I think, all the way up to $25 over a five-year period. Yeah. Well, those are some of the ways that people can, that uh, cities can look at internal revenue. But there's a lo- the larger challenge here is, as as Rob was talking about, is that the current property tax system, you can have properties very close to each other that are uh, that are, have the same value that actually look the same. The League of Oregon Cities has done some of these uh, studies, but they play thousands and thousands of dollars in difference in taxes. And once a property is set from, you know, the before time, it's stuck that way forever. And so... Uh, people moving here from other places and buying an, uh, a, a property, it's stuck. People coming up from California are amazed at the uh, at the property tax. There is no reset at sale. The property tax doesn't reset when the house uh, changes ownership, and that that's a huge, a huge issue. The other issue that needs to be considered is the state's doing pretty well fiscally. They've ha- done very well with income taxes. People get confused. Local governments are funded completely differently than the state is. We have property taxes, fees, and franchise fees. The state has income taxes. And maybe, just maybe, you know, some revenue sharing could be a good thing to happen because uh, making property tax changes are difficult. Mm -hmm. There's political issues related to that. But the state has some dollars and cents that that could be really, really helpful. I mean, the governor's current... uh, request out to the legislature is looking to appropriate some millions of dollars to help with housing related issues. And cities, we're all trying to do the right kinds of things, but we don't have infrastructure money to help make that stuff happen. I mean, we're open for business. We're working with our developers and and things like that, but there's infrastructure that has to go in and none of that is cheap. Cities can't pay for that. And we can't ask our local residents to have to pony up uh, the dollars for extending sewer lines, to extend roads, to extend water lines, to do all those kind of things. And so those costs have to go on the developers, which goes on the, uh, the cost of housing. And that doesn't make anything cheaper. And somebody has to pay for it. 
And so the state is looking to put some dollars and cents to help those kind of things. We don't know how that's going to roll out. Um, there has been some conversations with cities. We're trying to make as much noise as possible. But a lot of folks uh, at the Capitol don't, don't understand how cities are put together. I mean, they're good folks, but a lot of them, they don't live cities like we do. Those are some of the bigger issues. Yeah, I think that's one of the, the values that the, the city of Salem has. Tom Anderson, who was a city councilor, and he is putting in a bill, uh, a payment in lieu of taxes, but that would only help uh, Salem if he's even able to, to make that happen. But what I hear you say, this is a statewide issue. So the League of Oregon Cities... What's going on with them? Well, and well, let me, Mayor McArdle is on the board of League of Oregon City, oh, so, so he's a good you source <laughs> for this. But I, I will mention one other factor that is very interesting, and that is that one more thing Measure 5 and 47 and 50 did is um, prior to those implementations, cities would sit down and figure out what they needed to cover costs that year, including things like infrastructure, and they would assess a tax rate. Measure 5.47.50 froze that rate. So the year that passed, if your city's assessed rate to your taxpayers to cover what you thought you would need was 2.5%, that is your permanent rate. You can only assess property taxes at that Susie was in Jervis. What, yeah. What's the permanent rate in Jervis? It was a little over $8 per thousand in Jervis. And here in Monmouth Independence, we're looking around $3.50, four bucks, four and a half bucks. That's a pretty common rate. Jervis can assess their properties at over $8 per thousand. Yeah, so it sounds like there's just a lot of unfairness and it doesn't make sense. That's what I'm I'm hearing. So, uh, Mayor McArdle, you're uh, on the board of the League of Oregon Cities. What's the league? The league is taken is taken as for a long time, knowing that this is an issue. It's been uh, in conversation. It's it's been something of of significant concern for a long time, and a lot of folks at the legislature didn't really want to deal with this. They didn't really want to deal with this because we've had great staff people. We've had uh, passionate counselors and mayors who've found ways and twists and maneuvers and, and, and made Hobbesian choices. Uh, but now you can only make those choices for so long. And at some point, you have to fix the system. So the league has taken a very serious um, effort to try to help people understand. Because as we were talking earlier, many legislators do not understand how this uh, is put together, let alone the general public. And so there's an education effort going on to help people understand. And it's not just one city. It's not just two cities. It's not three or four. It's cities across the state. Cities like Gresham are jammed up because uh, their, uh, their levy for public safety didn't pass. Salem's jammed up and they're going to have huge cuts. We're all looking at cuts. Every mayor that I know is taking a look at, if not this year, it's the next year or the year after that. We see the tsunami coming. We've known it's coming and trying to help let people know that something has to be done. Otherwise, what kind of a community are we going to live in? That, that's, that's the big question. What kind of community? Do you want to live in something that is the minimalist? Do we want to have the barest number of, of services? We saw what happened in southern Oregon. 
uh, there were some county public safety levies that didn't pass down there. It was terrible. It was dangerous. The county didn't have public safety. Josephine and Jack St. That's yeah. right. And even here in Polk County, about right. was it ten years ago or so? Right, right. We didn't. We had no overnight sheriff service. Right. That's what caused the public safety levy. Yeah. that's and right. And so people have to decide what they want to, you know, what they want to pay for, and what services that you want. And I believe this is the United States. We don't. We're, this is not a third world country. We don't want to have minimalism be our our calling card. We deserve the kinds of things that are good for community, to build community. We're not like some of the places back east that have been gutted. We don't want to be that kind of a place. And so that's why we should have to have the conversation, and we need to take action. Not taking action in the years, to, in the short time frame coming forward is going to be devastating, and this won't be the kind of place that we've grown up. It won't be our Oregon anymore. So we really are looking at our state legislature. You just heard from Mayor McArdle from Independence. We've got Mayor Cease Kuntz from Monmouth and the finance directors from both of those cities, uh, Rob Moody and Susie Martson. Is there anything that we haven't talked about today that you think is important for listeners to know? Thanks, Melanie. I think one of the things that is difficult for people is to make that connection between the property taxes that they do pay and the services that it provides. You know, when, when the police officer shows up at your door and takes care of whatever problem you're having, they don't leave you an invoice. Right. Right. (laughs) And similarly, when you go down to the County courthouse to pay your property taxes, they don't give you your own personal policeman to take home. So people don't make that one-to-one connection in terms of what they're paying and what the services are. Mm-hmm. And it's it's difficult for the citizen on the street to draw that that line, I think, sometimes. And that, that complicates the conversations that we're having today. Sure. There's an expectation that those services will always be there without understanding what it takes to get them there. Yeah, I think, obviously, the other thing that is hard for us, particularly people like Mayor McArdle and myself, who are of a certain age demographic, um, is that these are difficult conversations because nobody wants to raise property taxes. Nobody sees that as really viable, and particularly um, both of our communities are um, working towards our AARP age-friendly city designation. We hosted the AARP age-friendly city summit in Monmouth uh, recently, and the number one concern of senior citizens in our state is losing their homes, right? So we know that just raising property taxes is not potentially an answer, but overall, figuring out how to balance all of the tax revenue that our individual taxpayers, our businesses pay how to structure that so that we can afford not only the state services everybody is clamoring for, the education systems that people are clamoring for, but the city and county and local services, library districts, cemetery districts, um, you know, Chemeket, our community college systems, our public institutions, super difficult conversations. And it's not just 
let's raise property taxes. It's not let's do away with Measure 5 and 50. How do we do it so that it's equitable? Right now, it's not equitable. Monmouth Independence and Jervis, not equitable. If you live in those two places, you are paying a very different rate on your properties. Um, neighborhoods are different. Um, you've, again, two houses across the street from each other are paying completely different tax rates. So the system has outgrown whatever it was intended to do to create some sort of equitable base of property tax expectation for residents and businesses in our community. Equity. I, I just heard that for the first time in this conversation. I was also going to ask this question, but you may have already answered it. What do you believe is the most misunderstood part of city government by the residents? You talked about not understanding how the funding streams work, but is that kind of the key one or is there something else you'd well, want to Well, I think one add? of the things that, that people need to understand is who's making these decisions. The people who are making these decisions, as I mentioned earlier, the city council and the mayor, they're all volunteers. They're just regular folks who most have a day job, who are doing something out. They're raising kids, going to work, doing those kind of things. The other people on the budget committee are just other citizens that uh, we recruit, encourage, conjole to serve on a budget committee. Collectively, these are volunteers who care about their community. They're caring about what to do and how to make difficult choices, but they're just regular folks because the city staff, they present this to all the policymakers, and we make those choices. And so nobody's getting paid. Nobody's getting to, you know, a fancy house. There's no fancy cars. There's no any of that stuff. The most that we give our folks is thank you. And sometimes they get a little personal card from me for thank you for, for serving. That's what people get. Don't you get cookies at your meetings? <laughs> we get cookies. Well, some, sometimes there are cookies, oh, yes, okay. I, 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 I guess. We work for cookies. There we go. There we go. But, you know, there, there is, these are just folks who care about the community. They want to do the right thing. And sometimes people can disagree about what the right thing is, but the motivation. And I think that's what the most important thing we want to do is that people have to understand that the motivation is what's best for our community. And it's just regular people doing that. And that's what's happening all over the state, whether it's in Eagle Point or, or uh, LeGrand or here in Independence or Monmouth. It's just local people trying to, to make our community the kind of place where we want to live, where we want to r let our children grow up, where we want our grandchildren to come and visit us. And so, you know, th those are important kind of things. And I, I think that people forget that sometimes. It's just local government. It's the folks you're going to see in the grocery store, at the at churches or schools or just in the farmer's market or down at the bakery across the street where I get goodies. Um, so I And I will say, too, that we pay property taxes, too. I'm pretty sure everybody on yes. the Monmouth Budget Committee is a property owner. So this is not easy. And I, when I talk about seniors, my 91-year-old mother lives in her own home in Monmouth. I don't want her to go broke trying to fund the services, but we've got we've got to look realistically at this. And um, this, this problem has been 30 years in the making, 
and it's not going to go away overnight, but we've got to talk about it. So, so Melanie, I want to encourage you and your colleagues to continue having these conversations with cities around uh, your listening area, because I think it's important, uh, as we were talking before the uh, interview started, uh, to hear the same messages. There's, there's slightly slight differences, but there's a similar theme. You know, people may think that I'm crazy or goofy or, you know, you hear all sorts of things. But when you hear mayors and counselors and city staff across the spectrum, across the region, uh, from large and small, you hear the same kind of things. Maybe that means something. And so you are doing, you folks are doing an important public service because when you collect all this information, because you're visiting person to person, city to city, that's something legislators, policymakers, and business leaders can use to help move forward and get us to where we want to be uh, for Oregon going forward. So thank you for having all of us today. Yeah, and I would like to thank all of you. Again, that was Mayor John McArdle from Independence. We've had C. Kuntz, the mayor of Monmouth, Susie Martson, finance director for Monmouth, and Rob Moody, finance director for the City of Independence. Thank you all for taking time out of your day to share your thoughts with us.